The month of Elul, auspicious time to do tshuva, is also alluded to in one of the Rashatevis of this month, which is Es Levav Chaves Levav, which actually comes from the Pasuk, in which we are told that Hashem will uh, take off the foreskin of our heart, basically meaning that He will take away our Yetzirah. This reminds me of a story in Maseches Sukkah. Dafnun Beis Amudalef. Welcome to another episode of En Yaakov Beyond the Story. Rabbi Yehuda says, Le'asid Lavoi, Mevya Kodesh Bochu, Le'etzer Hara, Veshochtoi, Bifna Tzadikim, Bifna Rishoyim. When Mashiach will come, Kodesh Bochu will bring the Yetzer and slaughter him in front of the Tzadikim and in front of the Rishoyim. Then, we are told that Tzadikim nidmelayam kehar kavoya. To the Tzadikim, Yetzara will appear to be a high mountain. Ureshaim nidmelayam kehutasayre. And to the Rishayim, the Yetzara appears to be as thin as, an air, as a hair. So already we need to explain this. Um, how come the same thing, Yetzara, could appear to be different? To different people. And even more so, one will think that the Tzadikim have a much smaller Yetzirah than the Rishayim. Seems to be the opposite. But what's really per- perplexing is the rest of the statement. He says, Halalu boichin v'alalu boichin. Both Rishayim and Tzadikim are crying. Why are they crying? Tzadikim boichin v'aymrim v'ech yacholnu lich the tzaddikim are crying, saying, <clears throat> how were we even able to overcome such high mountain? On the other hand, the, the Rishayim are crying, saying, how were we not able to overcome such a strand of hair? Sotu is wondering with them. Some say with the tzaddikim, some say with the rishayim, some say with both. As it says, Shneemar, Koyamar Hashem Tzvayski, Pale Ben Esherisam Azeh, Bayamimahem, Gam Ben Ayipale. Hashem says that in the same as it is wondrous in the eyes of the Sherisam, the remnant of these people, in those days, so it will be a wonder in my eyes. So again, we will need to explain why at Sadiqim crying and why Arishayim crying, I get it. But why are at Sadiqim crying? To help us understand, the Gemara continues with uh, a teaching that is related to this. Amar Abiyasi, Yetzirah, Batchila, Doimel, Lechut, Shalbuchia. Abiyasi says at the beginning, the Yetzirah looks only as a and ultimately at the end it will look like the ropes that could hold together uh, a cart, a chariot. And it brings a pasuk that cites both things uh, when it talks about the reshaim and the sins. So of course we first uh, 
first start by saying, how come the tzaddikim are crying? It is pretty clear why the Rishayim are crying. The Rishayim is seeing that the Yitzhara was ultimately just a thin hair, um, and it was so easy to overcome had they not given. in. Now they're crying out of regret. Um, we could have done that, and how silly of us that we didn't. But why are the tzaddikim crying? Mufashim are offering a few uh, explanations. Rashi says that when they see the Yitzhara being slaughtered, they um, remember, they reminisce of all the struggles, the hardship, the challenges that to overcome constantly. And for that, they cry. The Marsha, on the other hand, is saying, well, um, this, is, this is not necessarily um, reason to cry because now it's over. So he brings that some of Hashim are saying those are tears of joy. But the fact that it's tears of joy doesn't really match the statement the Gemara was making before, saying that when Mashiach will come and the Yitzhara is going to be slaughtered, there will be a eulogy, meaning that it's actually a sad moment for the, for the Tzaddikim. Why are they sad? So the Marasha explains that until now, there was a challenge. And therefore, there was a reward, meaning that the work that was done to overcome this Deyetzrara was actually something that was positive. Because if you know how to handle it, then you only get stronger from it and you get more and more merits. And now, this whole Avoida of being able to transform uh, the Avoida of Iskafia and, and followed by Isaphat, something's not going to be there. So therefore, they're crying. The Maharsha actually continues with a, a, a pirush on Bereshis that says, every day, it says, Vayar lekim kitoif. And on the sixth day of creation, it says, Vayar lekim tov me'oid. So every day was just good. On the sixth day of creation, it says, was very good. What made it very good? So the Midrash tells us, Toiv ze Yetzer Toiv, Me'oid ze Yetzer Ara. Or the place it says, Toiv ze Malachachai, Me'oid ze Malachamavis. But with this uh, version of Toiv ze Yetzer Toiv, Me'oid ze Yetzer Ara, the Masha explains that what makes the Yetzer Ara Toiv Me'oid is actually that opportunity that it comes with. The fact that it gives us a chance to... Um, overcome it. And as a matter of fact, as Hashem's shliach, so to speak, uh, he pretty much rather that uh, we don't listen to him. But uh, it gives us that strength and that opportunity to overcoming, overcome it and get a much greater schar and a different type of much more valuable avayda. And that's why we call it Tov Therefore, the tzaddikim are crying when he is being shechted and slaughtered. Um, there, there are other mefarshim, Iun Yaakov, the Rif, Yosef, who actually say that the reason why the, the tzaddikim are crying is because they saw the Yitzrara as big as a mountain and they're wondering, uh, how did we overcome this on our own? It's impossible. We didn't do it ourselves. This is for sure Hashem's doing. 
Hashem has always helped us. As a matter of fact, it says, If not for Hashem helping us, we're never going to be able to overcome the Yitzhah. And the, the Tzadikim is saying, In all my life I thought I have accomplished something, I am accomplishing something, when in fact I see that this is much too difficult for me to accomplish on my own. It's for sure Hashem did it. That is why they're crying. And that pirush goes well with the flow of the Gemara's next statement, which was, is also wandering along with them. Hashem saying, no, I was also wondering the same thing. How did you do this yourself? This is wonderful. Now we need to um, address the difference in appearance that the Yetzirah has to the Tzadikim and to the Rishoy. Now, let's understand. It is clear that not everybody has the same Yetzirah. Because everybody has his own individual Yetzirah. Everybody has his own challenges and his own uh, set of things that he needs to improve and work on. But nonetheless, that force, that energy, it's really a global thing. There is one general Yetzirah, which is considered, like I said before, like a Malach, the statement Gemara says, it's all one thing. So the Yetzirah as a whole, the one that HaKadosh Bochu is going to shecht in front of the Sadikim and the Rishoyim, is actually, we're not talking about Hashem taking every individual's Yetzirah and shechting it. We're saying that Hashem is going to take that global Yetzirah, that, so to speak, essential uh, Yetzirah, and slaughter him. So then if it is that one thing, how could it appear differently to Tzadikim or to Rishayim? The Ebbe explains in different sources, the Ebbe takes different angles. He says that in fact, as we have read in Rabbi Asi's statement, that Yitzhah originally, it's just, it's just a thread. It's just a thin thing that is very easy to overcome. And that's the way the Rishayim see it. The Rishayim see it in a way, in, in a way which, in which it was there for them. In other words, when the Tzadikim stand up to the Yetzirah, the Yetzirah doesn't give up. The Yetzirah tries again and again, and it becomes more and more difficult. And that's why Chazal tell us, Kol Whoever is greater has a greater Yetzirah. How come? If you're greater, you should have a, a weaker and easier Yetzirah to handle. No, because you're not giving in, so then he's trying again, and he's trying again, and he's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So the, the Tzadikim, uh, they see that uh, they see that very strong Yetzirah that it became because of their constant resistance to it. On the other hand, for the Rishoyim, it has never been more than just that little thread, a thin hair, something that would have been very easy to overcome. But once you give in the first time, then the Yetzirah then comes again, and we give in another time, then it becomes something almost as a habit. It becomes a lot more difficult 
to get rid of it. But there is another angle. There is a Chazal tell us, Yitzhara has a certain way of, of working. He's not going to come to someone and tell you, come and do a big Aveira. Go and serve Avadazara. You're not going to listen. He's not even going to come and tell you, come and eat a cheeseburger. It's out of your mind. I don't do that. So what does he do? Today he says, come and do this little thing. And then you'll give in. You don't realize it's really uh, not so bad. So then you give in. And then the next day comes and says, okay, now you did this. Let's do the next thing. And then the next thing. And before you know it, you find yourself doing a big affair. And that's the idea of the thin hair as opposed to the mountain. Really, all of the Rishoyim have given in was a thin hair. And then another thin hair, another thin hair, till finally they find himself, who knows where. Yeah, there's a marshal that is brought by the Rebbeim, that a person doesn't find himself lost in the thick of the mountain, in the thick of the forest, um, just like that. As a matter of fact, when you are riding on the trail, if you stick to the trail, you'll end up in, at your destination. But how do you find yourself lost in the middle of the forest? You would have never taken a sharp turn off the trail because you know that you're going to get lost. Getting lost usually happens when the degree of deviation from the trail is a very, very slight degree. You don't even realize that you're getting off the trail. Because very little, you're going on the side, very slowly, a little bit, a little bit. By the time you realize how far you are from the trail, it's kind of late. You're really lost. So this is the idea of how the Yitzhara appears for what it is. A very thin hair, a slight deviation from the regular path. But then you don't end up where you want to go. Now that we understand all this, there is one last thing that, that we need to explain. The language used over here by the Gemara seems to be a bit bizarre. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is slaughtering the Yitzhara. I mean, what are we going to eat it? Why, why is he slaughtering it? Why doesn't it say he's going to kill the Yitzhara? He's going to eradicate, erase, remove so many other words that are so many things, so many other metaphors that could have been used. And over here talking about shechting. Shechting is something we know that is usually done to an animal. So why is the word shechita being used over here? Here again, we need to understand what is the concept of shechita. Actually, why do we need, what is, what is happening when we shecht an animal? It is written, en Shechita is done in a way in which you're supposed to 
pull the knife towards you, uh, you know, bring the knife back and forth. It's not done in a way in which you use your khalaf as an axe. But this word, umashach, you're pulling towards you, what does it mean? There is a way of acquiring an animal. If you have found an animal in the street and you want to you wanna acquire it, you're going to need to walk with it. If you find a pen in the street and then you say, okay, it's mine. Nobody says, no, you know, you find a pen in a place that is unlikely that uh, whoever sold it, whoever lost it will find it. And that person was meyayish. You find it, you take it. There is no simonim on it. It's not yours until you pick it up. That's called a Kenyan. Well, if you found a cow, you can't really pick it up. <laughs> so what do you do? You, you pull it towards you and you walk with it. If nobody comes to protest and say, hey, where are you going with my cow? Then that, the cow is yours. The idea of pulling, it's a means of acquisition. How does that fit in with shechting an animal? Well, we know that there are the four levels in creation. The inner, the vegetation, animals, and the people, humans. Everything is always uh, elevated by the level that is higher than it. The vegetation eats up, feeds on the minerals, on the doymen. These uh, minerals and water and so on, this doymen becomes now really the, the very uh, fiber of these vegetables. This grass, for example. Comes the chai and eats the tzameach. The animal is the grass, eats the grass. This grass now becomes the animal's flesh and blood, so to speak. So now this grass has been elevated to the higher level than him, which is chai. Then comes the medabir. Comes man and wants to eat this animal. By eating this animal, he will then elevate the animal to become his own flesh and blood. From Chai it became a medabir, of course, providing it is being eaten, Lishem Shemaim, and so on. But you can't just go and come and go and eat the animal. We just finished learning Rambam last week, this Shabbos, about the laws of Shechita. In order to be able to eat this animal and elevate it, to become a medaber, you first need to shecht it. In other words, shechita is that preparation, is the first step in the elevation of the chai to the medaber. And this is the allusion that is being, being brought over here by telling us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to shecht the Yetzirah. It's not about eradicating the Yetzirah. It's not about removing it and eliminating it. It's about bringing it to a good use. We say in Shema, which means, You have to love Hashem with Yitzhar Toiv and with, with Yitzhar. What does it mean loving Hashem with Yitzhar? The Altarebbe explains in Tanya that the, the Nefesh of Bahamis is actually a Koyach Hamisave. All it is, is a craving energy. And because 
it is housed in the goof, so it craves for physical things. But if we could have the influence, if we could elevate, refine at least, and then transform this nefesh abami, this animal, bring it to a higher level, so then this koyach, this energy is going to start craving for kedusha. It's going to start craving for mitzvahs, for learning Torah, for, for all the good things. So what it means is that the Yetzirah is too powerful to just go to waste. It needs to be transformed and put to good use. It should not be destroyed. It should be shechted. Elevated and transformed. Now, as I mentioned before, this is what's going to happen when Mashiach will come. That the Kodesh is going to transform, shecht, elevate, put to good use that global energy of the global Yetzirah. But how do we bring about this to happen? If we want to have a Kadosh Baruch Hu shecht the general Yetzirah, we need to do our part in shechting our own Yetzirah. So fine, we understand what it means, shechting the Yetzirah. What we need to, to know is, what's the process? How do you shecht Yetzirah? Easier said than done. So the Rebbe says that it's pretty simple. You just have to follow the laws of Shechita. By following the laws of Shechita and applying them to Shechting Yetzirah, you'll know what you're doing. And you'll succeed in Shechting Yetzirah. Now you may ask, laws of Shechita, there are so many halachas. Well, you'll be surprised. As I said, just like in Rambam, there are only five halachas in Shechita. Everything, all the hundreds of halachas that surround it are just explanation and an elaboration expounding on these five halachas. So what the Rebbe is saying is that if you apply the five halachas of Shechita, the way it is applied to an animal, you apply it to Yetzirah, you will succeed. So the Rambam writes, it's brought in Shechonoruch actually, of course, the very beginning of the halachas of Shechita, Shechonoruch says that kol tabach shechita any shoichet who doesn't know the five halachas of shechita, we're not allowed to eat from shechita. What are those five halachas? So, these five halachas, we are going to explain them one at a time and apply it to Yitzhak. This is actually something. Once again, one of the many so innovative ways that the Rebbe is looking at Gemara, at Halacha, the way the Rebbe is looking at Nigle and applies it, not only al Pichsides, but to our, to our Avedas Hashem. So the first Halacha, as I mentioned, is Shehiyah. What does it mean, Shehiyah? Shehiyah is that you're not allowed to take a break in the middle of the Shechita. If you started to shecht the animal, you have to continuously uh, move your knife back and forth. You cannot stop even for a second. 
If you stop for a second, the shechita is called shechita soy psula. The shechita is not kosher. How do you apply that to shechting yetzer? You just can't take a break. You should never have a situation in which you tell yourself, today I'm going to give in to the yetzer. I'm on vacation. I'm away. This is circumstances are difficult. I deserve a break, whatever, whatever you do, don't take a break. Because once you started to work on yourself, refine your Yetzirah, standing up to your Yetzirah, once you take a break, Shehiyah, then you got to start all over again. The second of the halachas of Shechita is Drasa. Drasa means like crushing. The shechita has to be done in a constant moving motion. It cannot be done as if you are pressing. Imagine you're trying to cut a radish, is the example brought in Shechanoch. When you're trying to cut a radish, you just press on it rather than uh, slice it. Shechita has to be done in a way of slicing, not pressing. You knife on it. So the, the way you apply that to Yetzirah is that it is not a, a, a good, um, it's not a good idea to, to crush your Nefesh Abahamis. The idea is not to suppress all of your talents um, or your personality or to crush yourself with sigufim, fasting, suffering, and so on. The idea is that you have to pull the knife towards you. You have to go in a slicing way, meaning that there has to be an acquisition of the, of the Yitzhah, as we mentioned before. Pull it towards you. Make it work for you rather than crushing it. As mentioned before, put the Yitzhah to good use rather than just crushing it. The third halacha is chalada. Chalada comes from the word chulda, which is kind of a groundhog, because it uh, goes in the ground, makes a hole in one side, comes out from the other side. And uh, chalada means that you have to uh, cut the, the, the neck from the top down, and you have to see what you're doing. The shechita has to be visible. You cannot just uh, stab the neck from under the skin and cut the two uh, simanim, the kana and the veshet, the esophagus and the trachea. But uh, you have to cut it in a way in which it is visible, it is seen, and not in a way of, not in hiding. And uh, the way you apply this halacha to shechting yetzerara, it's quite simple. You should not hide when you are in the process of refining yourself. The first halacha, that is brought in Shechanoch is one should not be deterred or impressed by the people who are just mocking, mocking his, uh, his avoider. So sometimes we're tempted to hide our progress. In other words, we are no longer interested in doing things we were doing before, but we're not going to make it obvious because we're kind of embarrassed. We're afraid of peer pressure. So we're going to come up with all kinds of different excuses. 
Now, the suggestion is not that one should always boast on his progress and on his frumkeit and look how much of a tzaddik I am. No, that's not the point. The point is don't hide. When you are, whether it is with your friends or with strangers, do your mitzvahs with pride. Display your pride that you have with your Yiddishkeit. And the progress that you do in Shechting Yitzrara, let it be in the open. Fourth halacha is Hagrama. Hagrama is actually when somebody is um, cutting, is shechting, is, is slaughtering at the wrong place. And there is a very specific place where we, we are to shecht uh, the neck of a, of, of a balchai, of an animal. It is, doesn't have to be exactly in one space, but there is spaces where it absolutely cannot be. Too high uh, when it's closer to the chin or too low when it's already closer to the lungs. This is not a kosher shechita. Um, it actually turns the animal into an availer because what happens is that you have wounded the, anim- the animal in a fatal way before you actually perf- perform the shechita. So, in short, the concept of hagrama, the fourth halacha of shechita, is you have to cut in the right place. And what does it... How do you apply this to shechting yetzerara? Well... Often, we have the impression that we are doing a good job in um, refining ourselves or shechting our Yitzrara by doing things that are completely out of place. For example, people will fast. People will stay up at night, a whole night learning. Um, people will deprive themselves to the point in which they become weak. All of this is what we call shechting in the wrong place. Shechting in the wrong place makes the animal not kosher. You didn't elevate it. You just wasted it. When somebody is depriving himself of such necessities as sleep, for example, or nutritious food, he becomes ineffective. And this is actually what Yitzhara would like. You strengthen him. Yitzhara wants you to be ineffective. Because when you're full of energy, when you're well-rested, You have what it takes to fight him. So therefore, it will make you shecht it in the wrong place. Once we said before, you only have to shecht in the right place. This is good. One should refrain from indulging in things that are unnecessary. And on the contrary, that's a way of refining and sanctifying yourself. But there is a measure. There is a limit to that. Bemutarlach means not only what is allowed to you, but also what is additional, superfluous, but not depriving yourself of necessities. That will be, that will be agrama, that will be shechting in the wrong place. And finally, the last halacha in Ilchashchita is ikur. Ikur means uprooting, ripping off the simonim rather than cutting them. The simonim refers to, in this case, to the Kane and the Veshet, which is the esophagus and the trachea. Trachea and esophagus. You're supposed to cut them. One of the reasons why the knife cannot have a pegima, cannot have a a blemish on it, uh, any crack on it, is because that will actually rip 
not just the skin, but the simanim as well, and ripping the simanim uh, rather than cutting them makes the animal not kosher. So, what it means, it is referring to something similar to what we mentioned earlier, similar to the drasa. Do not uproot, do not rip out Yetzirah, shecht it, transform it, turn it into a Yetzirah And finally, when we are doing our part, when we shecht our own individual Yetzirah, so then we are zeiche to see how HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes out the Yetzirah and shechts it in front of all of us. Tzadikim, Rishoyim, Ve'amech Kulam Tzadikim. Just to clarify, this uh, slaughtering of Yetzirah that will take place in public when, when Mashiach will come, the Rebbe writes that this will be only in the second Tkufa of Yemesa Mashiach. Um, that in the first Kufa, there will be a Yitzhara that will be there, but will be unable to um, have any effect on us, but it'll still be there. However, in the second Tkufa of Mashiach, in which Ruach Atum Avir Minoretz, that uh, because before in history there have been times in which Yitzhara, individual Yitzhara, has been, has been uprooted. For example, Anshak Nesis took away the Yitzhara for Avadazara that they didn't have at that time. So we could say that individual Yitzhara for individual things or from individual people is something that exists, that has been done in history, that is something that is reachable, like David HaMelech says, you know, Libi Chalal Bekirbi, She'en Lo Yitzhara, but that Yitzhara that the Ebeshter is going to shecht, which we mentioned here, this is something that will be not just our Avoida, but the Ruach Atum Avir Minoretz, that the Ebeshter himself is going to remove any trace of evil. And then there will be already the time in which Vegar Zev Keves, and we will only see and experience only good, let it be, bimhera beyameinu mamesh.